Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome everyone to uh, episode nine of the Lay of the Points podcast. I am your host, Kendall Caps, alongside Jordan Shiro here. We are two games now into the NBA Finals, and uh, we got a, we got ourselves a series, it looks like. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, kind of a lopsided game, too, but kind of it kind of expected the Warriors to um, bounce back from the game one loss at home, so it was kind of expected for them to come out with some fire. Um, really, it was only a two-point game at halftime, and then uh, the Warriors, one of the best third-quarter teams, um, as far as scoring, um, just came out and kind of blew the doors off on Boston. Yeah, I mean, and it's not something that couldn't have been foreseen. The Warriors were an NBA best plus 232 in the third quarter in the regular season, and they even did it in game one. It was a close game. Boston actually held a two-point lead at halftime in game one, and the Warriors outscored the Celtics by 14 in the third. But then, as everyone knows, the Celtics then blew their doors off in the fourth quarter, but it was not going to be the same thing in in game two. The Warriors absolutely demolished the Celtics, outscoring them 35-14 to in the third quarter. It was actually, listen to this, it was the most lopsided quarter for Golden State in the NBA Finals in their franchise's history. The plus 21 was the biggest point differential in any quarter in Warriors history. Now, obviously... Their, po- their NBA Finals history is pretty much these six years with this team and then two years back in the 60s with Wilt. Uh, so it's not like they've been there a million times, but still, that was really impressive what they were able to do in that game. And they essentially made it a three-quarter game. There, Jason Tatum didn't play in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown essentially didn't play. The Celtics waved the white towel once Jordan Poole threw the pool party at the end of the quarter. Yeah, and the big uh, the big factors in Game One were uh, for Boston were um, Marcus Smart and Al Horford, and um, they did not have the same result in Game Two. Al Horford was one for four, didn't even attempt a three pointer, and uh, Marcus Smart was one of six from the field, zero of three from three, and they were a combined minus uh, twenty seven in the plus minus. So not a great game from them, and even Draymond. He actually said in his post game after game one that he quoted um, the stats from Derek White, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart from three and kind of chuckled a little bit. And he said, Yeah, I think we'll be fine in game two. I really, he didn't really say he didn't expect them to shoot well, but he was kind of dead on right. Yeah, that was the subtext for sure. And it came to fruition because all three of those guys, even though, Derek White ended up finishing with 12 points, but he did not he did not play near to the the level of efficiency that he had in, in game one. And and you're right, Smart and Horford were completely non-existent offensively. And the Celtics need their role players to step up, especially when the Warriors are turning the Celtics over. And to me, that was the biggest difference. And it has been the case for Boston throughout this postseason. When they get themselves in trouble, it's when they are turning the ball over. They had 18 turnovers in game two, and the Warriors turned that into 33 points off turnovers. What that's been, what it allowed them to do 
is get out on the break, which Miami did as well and capitalized on this. And when Golden State can get out on the break, that's less offensive possessions that they have to try to score against a set Boston Celtics defense. When Boston turns it over, teams are always running it on them. So that's one of the keys going into game three. Will Boston be able to limit and do a better job of taking care of the basketball? Yeah, I think they will. You know, they'll they'll be ready to go in Boston on Wednesday night. So I'm I'm not too concerned. Um, but uh, yeah, the Warriors uh, they got a nice contribution from Jordan Poole. You know, he was kind of quiet in Game One, and came out and uh, had five threes and scored 17 points, including that heave from half court. Yeah, th- um, that essentially ended the game. Once he sank right. that twenty-three point lead going to the fourth, that basically said, "All right, that that's enough for tonight." Uh, it was impressive his bounce back. And another thing that didn't really stand out when you look at a box score necessarily, but I thought was a big, big difference in this game. The Warriors did a much better job in the paint. Um, Kevon Looney scored twelve points, hitting all six of his shots. Um, Bielitsa, I think that's how you said you you pronounce his name, right? Bielitsa. Ah, so I did get it right this time. Last yes. week I, I could not I could not come to it, but it, it came to me this time. So he went three of four. Draymond Green, albeit not efficient, still scored nine. So the Warriors finally got some front court production, which was lacking in game one. And I think that kind of coincided with Robert Williams' inability to stay healthy. He looked hobbled once again, only played 14 minutes. And at one point, Jalen Brown, I believe it was, was driving the lane and got hit. Oh, it was Marcus Smart. And when Smart fell and landed, when I first saw the replay, I thought he might have torn his ACL uh, because his legs certainly bent in a very awkward fashion. You know, to his credit, he was okay. He stood up, but he is clearly not even close to 100%. And when Robert Williams is not on the floor, that defense is not the same. Yeah, very, very scary in, um, incident. Uh, Marcus Smart throwing his body uh, out of control into the side of Robert Williams' knee. But luckily, um, yeah, it's Robert Williams at the beginning of the game, he had a monster block, I think, on Wiggins. Um, he's such an impactful defensive player. But um, I'm not worried about Boston. I mean, they're still a very, very good team. You knew there was going to be one of these games. There might be another one, too, that's just kind of lopsided. But it's uh, it's good to have a, a one-to-one series for sure. And um, before we go on to the actual game three betting lines, I do want to talk a little bit about Draymond Green. So he basically, in the game, got a technical. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen at some point in the series. And uh, what did you think about after he got his first technical, he and Jalen Brown, um, he fouled Brown and then he was laying on him. And you can clearly see he had his legs kind of laying on Brown a little bit longer than Brown wanted, pushed him off. Then there's some pushing. Then Draymond pulled on his shorts. They had to be separated. And then Steve, um, um, ex-official Steve Javi was saying on the broadcast that the officials knew he had a technical and assessed that. And that's why they didn't give him a second technical. Is that, is that true? Because I think in the regular season, that would have been a double technical and he would have been ejected, which could have possibly changed the game. Yes. And I think it's one of those unwritten things that we always kind of figured, but it was a little bit shocking at first to hear 
a former veteran NBA referee acknowledge that refs take that into account in the moment. And even though I'm a diehard Celtics fan, and yes, I do think it would have helped the Celtics were had Draymond Green been ejected from that game in that moment, which I, I do believe in general that during the regular season, that probably is a double tech. He, he dra- draped his foot over his face um, and pulling on him and they have words like that's, you know, for the most part, that's usually a, a double T at the very least. Um, but in this particular instance, I didn't mind, even as a Celtics fan, I didn't mind that they didn't give it, give him the double technical. I, I actually, I, I want to see the best players playing against the best players. And the fact that the referees are taking that into account when you get to the NBA finals, because for the most part, they have let the, the players go at it. There's been a lot of physicality. There has not been nearly as many whistles, especially in game two. Um, there were not a ton of free throws shot. And so knowing the refs are letting them play, to me, that signifies them saying, hey, we don't want to be the determining factor on how one team wins or loses this game. So we're going to take ourselves out of this situation and let the players handle it themselves on the court. I can appreciate that when you get to the level of the NBA finals, so again, even though I'm a C's fan and it would have helped Boston, I was okay that he didn't get the second technical. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I didn't care regardless. You know I mean, like when it comes to Draymond Green, that guy has the longest lease with NBA officials I've ever seen. So I wasn't surprised. Um, well, last week you even said you talked about, you know, what he does on the court and you know, how many texts is he going to get this series? And lo and behold, here we are the very next show talking about how he easily could have been ejected from game two with a couple technicals. Well, you know, in the regular season, when something like that happens and, and, and players are kind of in each other's face, immediately they're usually assessed a double technical, like right away. And I understand it's, you know, they, it's different in the playoffs and, you know, cause they don't want, they don't, these officials want to have to be pushed so far to actually have to do it. Yeah. And I just don't think that they think it was warranted, you know? And, you know, like when you look at it, they're, it's just basketball can be very soft. And it's just like, just let, you know, if these guys are going to jaw at each other and maybe push a little bit, just who cares? Like, well, and this the is what Draymond does. Uh, Jalen Brown yeah. even talked about it after the game that he's going to do anything he, te- he can to help his team win. And, you know, his impact, as we talked about before, goes beyond you know, within the 48 minutes of the game, it's the trash talking. It's getting underneath your opponent's skin. It's doing things like what he did last night to rile up his teammates, to get the crowd involved in a game. I mean, he is such an emotional leader and that was on, you know, in full effect once again in game two and the energy and intensity that he brought into that game, which seemed to be lacking at times in game one was one of the differences and why we're now looking at an even series with, you know, potentially a great finals in front of us. Exactly. So let's talk about game three, which will be on Wednesday night. Uh, Boston is favored by three and a half and the over under is two twelve and a half. Um, I have an idea of how I think I feel about this game. I, I'm going to parlay this game. I love the under on this game. I just think that like, I know the game one was like two twenty eight, and they, I, I think the over under on, on game two was, kind of around here i'm expecting a a lower scoring game a very defensive minded game um but i love boston 
um, to win by more than three and a half. And I love the under with a parlay. What do you think? The under scares me a little bit. And here's why. Uh, and we touched on it briefly earlier. Robert Williams, he only played 14 minutes. And I know the fourth quarter wasn't in doubt. So he played 14 minutes in three quarters of basketball because that was essentially a three quarter game. And then both teams just emptied their benches. But he's with him not being close to 100%. I don't know how much I trust the Celtics to be able to be as efficient defensively. But also that means Grant Williams will be playing a lot more minutes on the offensive end. And Grant Williams at home is a much better shooter than he is on the road. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him knock down a couple of triples like we saw in game seven against the Bucs. So I think, you know, that that number, I, I'm less confident on the over-under, but I do like Boston to bounce back and win this game. And more than likely, if they're going to win it, anytime I see a spread like this, why lay a minus 155 on the money line for on the Celtics if they're going to win 90% of the time, you win NBA games by more than three points. So I, I'm not going to lay those odds. If I'm going to take the Celtics, I take them at minus 105 or minus 110 and, and just lay the three and a half. Um, the Celtics this postseason are 6-0 and after losses with an average margin of victory of 15 and a half points. That's the third largest margin of victory after a loss in NBA playoff history. Um, ironically, the Warriors... Have the of this year have the fourth highest margin of victory. They're five and zero after losses, winning by an average of fifteen points. So both of these teams have shown this postseason that they bounce back really well. The Celtics lost the last game. They're going back home. I think they will play well. Even though I wouldn't be surprised at all if the if the Warriors put a little fear into them early and played very well and had a lead after one, maybe even lead at halftime. But I think the longer this game goes as the refs continue to let the guys play the more physical Celtics team should impose their physicality and their will. And I also like the Celtics to cover the three and a half in win game three. I think this is going to be a game where Tatum's going to do his thing. Brown's going to do his thing, but I think this is going to be a big role player game for the Celtics, a very team oriented game where everyone contributes. I could see a a, a nice game from Grant Williams. I could see a nice game from Derek white. I could see Pritchard, you know, chipping in a couple threes. I think, I think they're going to play very, very sound basketball. And, um, I think that's when they're best. And then you obviously, um, have Tatum and Brown do their thing, but I think they'll definitely be ready. Um, but I definitely think it'll be close, but I think Boston will pull away at the end and uh, cover that three and a half. But, um, I'm going to take the parlay. I, you know, a little nugget, Robert Williams, he played 24 minutes in game one and the final score was. 228 points combined. So, you know, I, I mean, it's kind yeah, of, yeah, no, that, that it's just a feeling, you know, like I, I, it's just a feeling. I, I think Boston's going to play some really, really tough defense um, on Wednesday night. So I don't really see a very, very high scoring game. I could see maybe the, the, uh, the Warriors struggling a little bit. Um, so, um, yeah. So you and I uh, both like Boston to bounce back in game three and then, uh, and then we'll be on to game four, which, you know, not jumping ahead, but I think the Warriors will win that one if Boston wins that in game three. So. Yeah, I, we're definitely, I think everyone, just about everyone agrees that we're looking at a long series more than likely. Um, and if if you remember last week, I talked about one of the bets that I love that stood out to me heading into this series was 
Celtics win game one, Warriors win the series. It was plus 490. So you were getting five to one on your money. And part of the reason why the odds were so great were because everyone loved the Warriors game one, despite all the reasons that I said, no, I think Boston's going to win this game. And then they went and they did win game one. Um, now the Warriors are favored to win the series. Um, so you you obviously can't get those odds. You can't even place that bet anymore have, with game one behind us now. But knowing that we're looking at an even series right now, the Celtics have actually been better on the road than they have been at home. So I think that's partly why, despite Boston having home court at this point, the Warriors are, are still slightly favored to win the series. So I started looking at some other prop bets going forward for this for the rest of this series. And, you know, Curry is... He dropped 31 in game one. He dropped 29 in game two, and he dropped 29 in three quarters. He wasn't needed in the fourth quarter. You can make a bet that he will drop 35 or more in any game this series from here on out, which there's more than likely at least four more games, I think, and wins finals MVP, and you'll get that at plus 165. I love that bet for a couple different reasons. One, I... From the very beginning, I said I've liked Golden State to win this series because I trust their playmakers and their decision-making late in games. And we are yet to see a close game late. The Celtics went on a huge run in game one, fourth quarter. Game two was over before the fourth quarter. But as this series goes along and we start getting into closer finishes, I trust Golden State. So if they're going to win this series, it's pretty obvious if, if they do win, he's going to win MVP. There isn't another Warriors player that's even close in odds, um, especially with Clay essentially not being able to hit the ocean if he fell out of a boat. Um, so knowing that, knowing his ability to shoot the ball coming off high screens, he's been able to get clean looks all series so far. I'd be a little bit surprised if he didn't score at least 35 in one of these games. So if he does and they win, he's going to win the MVP. Therefore, plus 165, I think that's a solid bet. Very solid bet. Um, there's also another one. Uh, uh, Clay Thompson is um, under 16 and a half points per game for the series is even money. And he's averaging right now 13 points per game. What do you yeah. think about that one? <laughs> like, way- are you worried? Do like, are you worried about Clay? I mean, he's. I keep expecting him to make shots. And it was interesting, I thought, in game two, he was the only Warrior starter that played in the fourth quarter, essentially. And he played a lot of minutes in that blowout loss or blowout win because Coach Kerr obviously wanted to try to get him in rhythm. And he still could not hit anything. And they weren't contested shots. They were wide open shots from the wing. He missed a couple layups. Like, He had good looks consistently throughout that game, and he finished, I believe, four for 19 from the floor. So as a Celtics fan, I'm still waiting for Clay to pop off. But if you're asking me, do I like the over-under at 16.5, knowing he's averaging 13 so far, let's say there's four more games this series. For that to go over, he's going to have to score 20 a game. The way he's shooting right now, and knowing the next two games are in Boston, I don't like him to go over 16 and a half for an average for the whole series. I love the under, and I think you get even money. Is that right? Yep. Yep, Yeah. Yeah. I like the under. I mean, it's almost like Vegas is giving you a little bit of a little bit of leash here, knowing that you have two games where he's not even close to those numbers yet. I'm a little bit surprised that they're willing to give that off at even money. 
Yeah, I'm, because it's good because, you know, he's only averaged 13, 13 points a game. No one kind of really expected that. It, but um, maybe people are just scared that, you know, Clay is going to get really, really hot. And but, but still, like that's asking for a lot, you know. So I mean, he's got to score, average over twenty points for the for the rest of the series to hit that. So maybe, but um, you know, Clay Clay looks like he's still getting back. He doesn't look like the defender he once was. Like it looks like he lost a step. Yeah, because he I, was I a agree. very good defender for a for he a, was for an a elite defender. Yeah, he was. You know, for a couple years, you could make the argument that he was a better player than Steph Curry. I don't know if that argument would hold water to everyone. But, you know, he's considered one of the greatest shooters. Curry's the greatest shooter ever. He's considered one of the greatest shooters. But he also was an elite defender for a few years. Um, And he had all those unfortunate injuries, the ACL and then the Achilles. So I agree. He doesn't look like the same player defensively. Um, And and we've kind of seen that in this series as well, because Jalen Brown has done a great job getting past him and getting into the lane. Now, what he does when he's in there is still... You know, there's a lot that that's left to be desired, uh, but I, I agree that he's not the same player. There's another player that there was a prop bet that I thought was kind of interesting. Marcus Smart, his uh, points per game for the series is listed at twelve and a half. He scored what was it? Uh, Twenty, I believe, in game one. Eighteen in game one. Mm-hmm. And he scored two in game two. Yep. So two wild opposites. So he's averaging 10 so far, but I actually really like the under. I think we are much more likely to see him score 14, 16, 18 a few times. I don't think there will be another game in this series where he scores two points. I would be surprised if he doesn't get at least six or eight every game the rest of the way. So if his down games, let's say he has two down games are six or eight and his up games are 16, 18, that's going to put him over the 12 and a half. So I actually really like the over under on on that prop bet. Yeah, me too, for sure. Like he's going to score more than two points. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's not going to happen again. I mean, that was an aberration. And again, it was a three quarter game. Exactly. Like he didn't even play in the fourth. So he probably could have scored four, six points in that quarter. So yeah, those numbers are skewed. And I think it's things like that, that we recognize when we're looking at these things and we see these easy money making opportunities that Vegas might just be using, you know, just numbers in a system and they see he's averaging this so far. But if you go beyond that and you really look, it's like, no smart probably should have, would have scored six, eight, 10 points last night if the game didn't play out the way it was. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that, that prop bet. All right. So um, we're both on the Boston Celtics game three. I like the parlay with the under and you just like them uh, just to cover the three and a half. Yes. Yes, I do. All right, so let's get into the best segment of this show, Kendall's Corner. All right, so last week on the show, I talked to everyone. I I let you guys know that the Rangers-Lightning series, there was a prop bet that you could make that the series would go either six or seven games, and if you bet both of them the way I instructed you to, you could not lose. The series is now 2-1 with Game 4 in Tampa Bay, more than... More than likely now, the odds are heavily in favor of a six or seven game series. So you couldn't even get close to those odds. So it's too late to cash on what I talked about last week. However, there is still another way that you can lock in money. You have to make three bets and it is going to essentially guarantee you winning money. 
You bet on the Rangers to win the series at seven at plus 360. You bet the same amount on the Rangers to win in six at plus 390. And you bet the same amount on the Lightning to win in seven at plus 310. So you're making three bets. Let's just say $100 per bet. So you're $300 invested. One of those three is going to hit. This series is not ending in five. It is going to go six or seven, just like I said last week when I hit on the first prop bet. So if this series goes six or seven, the only way the Lightning could win this in six is if the Rangers don't win another game. But I think anyone that's paying attention to what's going on in that series and with Ego Shesterkin, excuse me, uh, the Rangers goaltender, they know that the Rangers are going to get at least one more game this series, which is why you make two bets with the Rangers, one with the Lightning and seven. All three of them are better than three to one odds. One of those three is going to hit and therefore you will make money. Also, there's another little prop bet where the odds are out and you're not going to get any better odds than what they are right now. Nathan McKinnon from the Colorado Avalanche to win the Conn Smythe playoff MVP trophy is currently plus 270. Everyone knows that leagues want to give the MVP trophies to stars. So yes, Kale Maker and there's a couple other guys that are in the running, both for the Avs and maybe coming out of the East, could win it. But the front runner right now is McKinnon at plus 270. And once they clinch their spot in the finals, his odds will not be nearly that good. They, they're up 3 nothing against Edmonton. They're going to finish him off in either four or five games. Once they're in the finals, those numbers are going to drop to plus 200, maybe worse. So jump on McKinnon now at plus 270. Last little tidbit, going back to baseball. A month ago, I told everyone, make a four-division four parlay. Dodgers, Mets, Houston, White Sox. A month ago, it was plus 500. Two weeks ago, it was only plus 330. Now, it is down to plus 250. However, even though you should have taken advantage when I said it a month ago, when it was plus 500, there's still some value at plus 250 because the Dodgers, Mets, and Houston are damn near a lock to win their division. The only question is the White Sox. They keep getting banged up. Tim Anderson's on the IL now, but recent reports are he should be fine and coming back next week. Once they finally get most of their guys back, the rest of that division, everyone knows the Twins are Paper Tigers. Bet that at plus 250 before the odds continue to drop even further. That's going to do it for Kendall's Corner this week. Everybody listen to this man. You see how fired up he is. He knows his sports and he knows his, especially hockey and baseball. So definitely, definitely lay some good bets down. They're guaranteed winners. Kendall's been killing it so far so i mean hey and don't just limit it to yeah. hockey and baseball i've been on fire throughout the nba postseason keep too, talking baby. baby keep talking and that'll do it for this week everyone enjoy game three of the nba finals on wednesday and game four will be on friday as well in boston um where are you watching the game on wednesday kendall uh let's see i'm gonna be covering it uh, that night I'll be working, uh, writing and covering the game. So I'll be watching as I'm working pretty much, but not drinking. No, you'll be no, working, no, not drinking. Okay. That'll be on Friday okay. night for game four. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Well, well, we'll definitely have to get together hopefully for one of these NBA finals games. That'd be a lot of fun. So everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on Monday.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.